everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So the drama that I am going to be chatting about with you guys this week is called The School Nurse Files, apparently also known as Nurse Teacher Anun Yong, which is the literal title, apparently Nurse Teacher. Hmm. So this drama is a six episode drama. Each episode is pretty much basically an hour or close to. Um, apparently it's based off a novel. Um, and it's come out through Netflix. Um, I, I think Netflix have actually like what made it, I guess, given them given over the money for it. Um, so I guess in terms of the reason I watched it, it was because it was on Netflix. <laughs> so easy. It was right there. Um, and also I was interested, like just watching the preview for this drama was interesting. Um, so this is a 2020 uh, Korean drama. It's only six episodes, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a second season or if this is just what it is as a whole. Um, it kind of finishes, like it definitely finishes, but you feel like there could easily be more story. Like it feels very, a little bit, I don't want to say ambiguous kind of ending, but you know, it doesn't fully, fully end, I suppose. Um, or it's a bit confusing maybe. Um, so my overall feelings of The School Nurse Files is that I think I really, really enjoyed it, but I also feel like some of the execution of the story felt a little bit off to me at the very end. And I also felt like some of the editing throughout the story was done in a way that sometimes made the story a little bit inaccessible. Um, some of the characters' emotions were, I think, a little bit held back from the viewer. And I think that was just the way it was cut. Um, which was really, really interesting to me. But as a whole, like this drama looks incredible. Like I think it looks so good. It's like very sumptuous and moody and atmospheric, like aesthetically, it's gorgeous. Um, it's also weird as fuck. Like it's so fucking weird, um, which I really liked. I really liked the odd and quirky tone of it. Like it's a real oddball kind of story. Um, I also feel... Like, although I did think it was really, really weird, I feel like I've seen kind of similar-ish kind of style stories um, in anime before. Um, particularly, there's one I was thinking of, uh, an anim uh, like a Japanese anime, which I've read quite a lot of the, the manga and not all of it, though. Um, 
I kind of stopped after a while, but I did really love it for quite a while. Um, and I watched it the first season and a bit of the second season. It's called Noragami, um, which is one of my favorite animes, or at least the first season was. I really, really, really loved it. And it's very got a, it's not the same by any means, but it has this idea of these weird things that some people can see and other people can't see, and they're dangerous and they're like at schools and like all this kind of stuff like that. So even though I do think this show is really weird, I feel like I have come across almost similar kind of weird globule evil floating things <laughs> in a story before so I don't think it threw me off too much um uh, so I was kind of like I was just really open to the weirdness I suppose you could say I think it was more in the execution of the story and I don't know if it was the way it was edited or not I guess realistically I probably don't know enough about like you know, that kind of side of the technical side of creating film or TV to know or if it was the way it was written. But there just felt like this slight disconnect where, or maybe it's just, you know, K-dramas, you get so close to the characters. Like, I feel like because K-dramas are so focused on emotion and emotional growth and like, you know, the slow building of relationships, whether romantic or not, um, as a viewer, you really feel sucked into the characters. Like you feel like you know what's going on inside them. You know what they're thinking and feeling and experiencing. And I didn't really have that kind of feeling about this show. Like I always felt like there was like a slight disconnect. But at the same time, I think I really, really liked it. And I think I would have been fine with that up until I just felt like the very, very end for me just felt like a tiny bit flat it wasn't that bad but it just maybe didn't give me quite as much as I wanted I think um so this drama stars the actress Jung Yoo Mi um so Jung Yoo Mi I'm pretty sure was she not in Train to Busan I'm pretty sure I've seen her in some stuff um I quite like her so she plays this you know school nurse who has like secretly can see jellies is what she, I was going to say globules <laughs> they're called jellies and also this drama stars Nam Du Hock um, as a Chinese character teacher so uh, I really liked him in this I thought he was really good um, so yeah I think that's it for my kind of setup um, as a whole I really really liked it I thought it was really interesting and I just liked how freshly odd <laughs> it was I thought that was really really cool um all right so I guess I'll get into the setup so this drama basically rotates around this high school um Jung Yoo Mi's character um so she's a school nurse and her name is Eun Young so she is weird as fuck <laughs> she's so weird um so she can basically see these things called jellies and she's been able to see them since she was a kid actually man I fucking loved the opening of this drama we see her as a child and we just you don't really understand but like there's this thing going on where there's this woman kind of being sympathetic towards her dad and something kind of weird and her mother's standing there watching and then her mother starts to melt, like just turns into a globule of like see-through, I don't know, jelly, I guess. I was going to say mucus, but let's go with jelly. That's less gross um, on the floor. So it's like there's just such odd, strange visuals in this drama. And 
considering, you know, it's all just CGI stuff, like I think it looks really good. Um, but it's certainly very weird. So Anyong walks around school with like a plastic sword and everyone just kind of thinks she's fairly weird. Um, she, the first episode was really, really interesting for me. Like it, I have to admit, it's kind of confusing. I think the way the drama kind of presented the story, it, I don't want to say it's inaccessible because you can understand it, but it doesn't necessarily make it very easy for the viewer, which is something I usually quite like. And I didn't mind it in this case, um, but I do think like they could have made things a little bit clearer potentially. But basically you see this boy at school, um, you know, there's heaps of students in this drama as well, and they sort of like pop in and out, but none of them are characters that we like truly get to know at any point. But I also feel like that's the drama style. It's, it doesn't really give you that inner emotion thing. Not to say it's like purely aesthetic though, like you do, there is emotion in the show, but not like inside character study kind of stuff exactly um so yeah there's all these students at the school and basically um there's you know this absolute douche of a boy who seems to be like a sports star he's like the basketball jock or whatever I don't know what he is and he's grabbing like all the other dudes in his basketball team to you know pronounce his love for some girl at school and they're you know making a heart out of fucking candles and I don't know doing all that kind of shit <laughs> and then there's this boy who kind of hears about it and he hears that this um you know this basketball jock guy is about to I keep wanting to say propose presumably he's not trying to marry this teenage girl but he is trying to profess his love to her so this other boy who wears this tiny hat um <laughs> I can't remember what his name was so we'll just differentiate himself by He's that dude who wore that tiny hat and he's just like freaks out at the idea that this basketball guy is about to confess his love for some girl. And you eventually start to realize that he is best mates with this girl. He's clearly completely in love with her himself. And instead of like doing anything normal about it, he starts standing around being fucking weird in his tiny hat and sweating profusely, like sweat just dribbling all over this dude's face. And then <laughs> there's more than one of him and suddenly there's like copies of this distressed sweaty tiny hat wearing teenage boy just like strewn all over the place like he's on the stairs he's down in the hall he's like on the roof he's all around the shop and Eunyoung who's the school nurse is like walking down the hall and she comes across one of these sweaty versions of this tiny hat wearing boy and she kind of like hits him with her sword and he's all like globule and he's he's made of jelly like the visuals are very cool it's fucking weird I loved it so he's all globuling around. And so she's trying to run around desperately, trying to find the original, you know, sweaty, tiny hat wearing boy, but she can't find him anywhere. And meanwhile, I mean, I can't even remember how it happened now. Is this like before or after? So I think she's like, there's this mad basement at this place and she gets drawn down there and her and this other teacher. So this is um, the lead, the male lead actor, um, Namju Hyuk, who I really, really liked in this drama. I feel like Namju Hyuk always, well, not always, I'm sure he doesn't always, but 
you know, I'm much more used to seeing him as a very dashing, charming male lead, like, you know, as the jock guy, as the sports star, like, you know, in weightlifting fairy Kim Bok Ju or Who Are You 2005, like, you know, he was always like the school swim star or whatever, two dramas actually, or, you know, like, I don't know, he just plays very confident dudes and that's what I'm used to seeing him as. And in this drama, he's so different. Like, he's such a, like, a quiet, reserved, understated kind of performance and he's just very, like... I don't know, like he he blinks a lot and he just looks quite awkward all the time. He's clearly very self-conscious and he's just so contained. I really, really liked it. It's one of those moments where I'm like, I think this dude is like a really good actor. I mean, as far as I can tell, he seems like a really good actor, not just someone who's, you know, got a lot of charisma and is charming and good looking. Like it actually seems like I don't know. He was just so different in this. I really liked it. Um, so he plays this teacher who has like, he's, he's been in an accident when he was a lot younger. So one of his legs just like, he can't bend it real well. And he, you know, obviously has some sort of like, I want to say a splint or something underneath his trouser leg. Um, and so, you know, he limps a lot when he walks around. So he ends up going down into this weird basement of the school. And he's actually the grandson of, you know, the guy who founded the school, um, who's some old dude and who's dead. <laughs> he's not in the drama. <laughs> oh, sorry. So Nam Ju Hok's character's name is In Pyo. So he's this uh, Chinese character's teacher at school. So he goes down into the basement because he kind of like sees the doors open and he's the only one with a key and no one else is supposed to be able to get down there. But Eun has gone down there because she has seen that there's like all these mad jellies down there. And her whole thing is no one knows it, but she's protecting them from these jellies who can potentially hurt people sometimes. Um, so she's gone into the basement and realized that it is fucking chock full of mad jellies. Um, I really liked it. A lot of them are like kind of portrayed as underwater, like deep water jellyfish just floating around with like deep water sounds. It's very dreamy and like very beautiful, even though it's so weird. And a lot of the time when she like, she hits them with her, you know, magic plastic sword, which of course the sword isn't, it's her, but she needs to recharge it. They, they like these jellies explode into these, I don't know, they look like delicious red <laughs> gobstopper heart shaped lollies. And then, um, you know, they just turn into globule jelly things that disintegrate. It's all very strange. Um, but I did really like the visuals. I thought the visuals were just so excellent. Um, so he kind of walks in on Eun the school nurse with a mad plastic sword, just like waving it around the basement and like fighting a non-existent enemy. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I'm doing Zumba. And he's like, that's fucking weird, but I guess we'll just go with that. And so neither of them have really been in the basement before. And the basement just goes on and on and on and like down all these stairs. And so they start going down there together and she kind of realizes, um, oh, she doesn't realize that. I was going to say he can like recharge her. So basically he is immune from the jellies. He has this natural force field around him and she finds this very interesting. And also when she sees it, she looks at him in a really fucking weird way. She's like, she makes these really weird, like wide eyed expressions and smiles at people. And it's like, it's so off kilter, like unbalanced. You're just like, oh, like if you met her in real life, you'd be like, oh, please don't kill me with your plastic sword. She just seems like so odd, but in a very good way. Like she's very likable as well, but totally weird. Um, so anyway, they go down into this like 
you know, mad basement that goes on forever. And they finally come to the final room, which is like this weird cavernous room. And as far as Eunyeong can see, it's filled with these floating jellies. But of course, Inpyo knows nothing about that stuff. Um, and there's this mad rock on the ground and it has Chinese characters on it. And I can't remember what it said, but something like really fucking ominous. And of course they, you know, they lift it up and turn it over. And there's this weird kind of just little, they call it a plug hole <laughs> underneath it, uh, which they cover up again and then they leave. But the whole, like, I guess, legend and lore or mythology around this plug hole is, I really liked it. I thought it was really fun and creepy. So it turns out that back in the olden days, um, like way olden days, there used to be a pond where the school is. And this little plug hole was the pond or was in the pond. And this pond used to be a place that like scorned lovers, like people who'd lost their love or, you know, whether they were scorned or not, would go and throw themselves in this lake and die because of, you know, lost love or unrequited love or whatever. And then eventually, because so many people were going there and, you know, jumping into the lake to die, a lot of people who then had to hide bodies or kill somebody but didn't want anyone to know were murdering people and throwing them in there and pretending that, you know, they jumped in because of their lost love or whatever. So basically, you know, this pond became a total murder pond filled with either people who have killed themselves or people who are getting murdered. And obviously it has a lot of like creepy shit about it. And there's some sort of legend that it's like, it will either completely destroy you or if you control it, it will give you really great luck. Um, which I think is why obviously this school has been built on this mad plug hole. But right now, you know, because particularly I think this boy, um, you know, the sweaty boy with the tiny hat is feeling so distressed about his best friend, this girl who's about to get confessed to, and he's getting like real fucking weird about it and sweaty and odd. And he's been running around the school trying to find her, leaving these jelly copies of himself everywhere. It sounds so weird when I say that. <laughs> it's not a sentence I ever thought I'd say. Um, so he runs up onto the roof and she is going to go down and get confessed to. And so he's kind of watching from the roof and he's just like getting more and more distressed. And because you've heard this story about the pond and like, you know, I guess all this unrequited love, these lost love, you kind of realize there's something very dangerous in there and it's feeding, I guess, his emotions around this situation that's going on with him. And it also, the plug hole has been disturbed by, you know, school nurse Eunyong and the teacher Eunpyo. Um, so this like massive hole just opens up in the ground, like near this confession, the place where the confession is happening. And all these kids start like getting weird and sweaty and start laughing like completely manically, including the tiny hat wearing dude who's now crawling up, trying to jump off the roof. So basically this hole opens in the ground and all the students, you kind of realize who have crushes on people who are experiencing some sort of or as far as they know, unrequited interest in someone else, um, go insane. And they all like run really weirdly, like in a stampede up the stairs onto the roof and start trying to throw themselves into this big hole that's opened up. So, of course, Eunyeon, uh, Eunyeong, sorry, Eunyeong, the school nurse, uh, runs up onto the roof with her plastic sword and she's like bopping everyone on the head and they've momentarily like kind of come back to their senses. And there's all these other normal student, students up there as well trying to pull their friends, you know, and stop them from jumping off the roof and dying in this big weird hole that's just opened up <laughs> in the front of the school. Um, and so the teacher, Nam Ju Hyok's character, Inpyo, um, he runs up there as well. 
and he's very confused by what the fuck's happening. And no one else can see it except for Nyong. Um, but there's like this huge mad like toad has just sort of crawled out. It's so weird to be explaining this, but crawls out of this hole and it's trying to like suck all the students up and eat them. And basically Nyong just doesn't have the power. She can't really do anything about it. But then the teacher, wow, their names are kind of similar in my accent. Inpyo. His name is Inpyo and hers is Nyong. So Inpyo gets kind of like sucked up onto this fence. Like, so he's nearly coming off the roof, but then like she grabs his hand and realizes that He's like a battery basically to her and she can recharge whatever spiritual powers she has to fight this thing. Um, so because of him, she manages to get out her like little cute plastic gun and shoot some little cute colored pellets, which, you know, are filled with whatever energy she has and, you know, vanquishes the big toad. <laughs> and then all the kids go back to normal and your sweaty boy with a tiny hat kind of comes back to himself and he looks at his best friend who's this girl and then, you know, they kind of realize they both were unrequited liking each other. So um, it's all good and they're going to go out now and then they're kind of barely in the drama um, after that one episode. <laughs> so that's basically what happens in the first episode. And from there, we kind of follow along Nyong just as she... I guess gets involved in little things. It's like some weird conspiracy. Like they're trying to figure out how to keep the basement clean, how to keep everything contained. Um, her and Inpyo realize that the school is built on this plug hole and there's all this bad stuff happening because of it. It's really, really dangerous. Um, all these really weird little like mites, which are like these kind of cute jelly bugs that are half frightening and half kind of cute turn up but there's way too many of them and people are starting to get itchy and like you know unwell and this like this girl student shows up who's like 15 or something and it turns out she's actually like I don't know like a spirit or a deity or something who just exists in this one tiny little neighborhood all through history whenever there's too many mites and she just eats them that's her job and it's so weird but Nyong starts on this mission she because um this mite eating girl will die when she's 20 she'll just cease to exist and then she'll be you know she'll come back again in the future but Nyong just doesn't like it she sees this mite eating girl you know having friends and living a life and she wants to you know, allow her to live. And it, I guess that that storyline was really interesting to me. Um, I, this is kind of haphazard, I think, the way that I'm kind of explaining the story. So there's loads of other stuff going on with this like conspiracy and like this weird teacher who's like manipulating one of the boys. And, you know, everyone just basically wants this weird plug hole. And I don't really, I, I'm not sure I fully, fully followed like all the different organizations um, that had a kind of a stake in it or what was going on. But I think the story about or like the storyline about the mite eating girl was quite interesting because it was sort of this reflection on Eunyoung herself. Like she wants to give this sort of girl, this, you know, make believe girl who eats mites a chance to be a normal human and live a normal life because Eunyoung feels like that is not something that she ever got to do. And she has this thing about being normal. And we also see this flashback around this point. Um, I'm not sure that I totally loved the way this stuff was introduced. Um, this should actually be my stuff that I, I didn't completely love. Um, I guess I've just, I've jumped to that. I've randomly skipped over to stuff I didn't completely love. Um, so I felt like 
The second half of the drama was really trying to, I feel, characterize Anyang a little bit more to show us a bit more about her past and who she is and what she wants. And I found like the elements of it were kind of introduced in a confusing way for me because we kind of get two new characters. I think it was in one episode, which I felt was too much because there was so much going on. So we get introduced to the mite eating girl, which was very interesting. And I liked everything about it. But we also get introduced where this dude in a black suit just like turns up on um, Eunyoung's street as she's walking home. And he just starts following her around everywhere and it takes you quite a while which I loved to realize that this man is dead he is a ghost and he's come to see her so she sees ghosts she sees you know just everything you're not meant to see in the world um so he you kind of it takes you a while but eventually you realize okay they they've they know each other they used to know each other and you realize that when she was a high school teenager um, you know, she was a student. She didn't really know how to protect herself against the jellies like she does now. So we see her come in a class covered in bruises and cuts, and she eventually gets put at the same desk as this boy. And this boy is hugely ostracized by everyone else at school because his dad's like a real gangster, like, you know, criminal kind of stuff, um, gang kind of thing. And people are just really mean to him, but he seems like a very sweet kid who loves to draw. And they kind of have, I really liked it, actually. They have this really nice sort of connection, I suppose. And he is the one who kind of says to her, like, because she's having trouble relating with the other kids because she kind of tells them about her jelly stuff. And it's so scary, this whole world to her, like so terrifying. You can see she's got cuts and bruises, so like, She's in physical danger and he kind of floats this idea to her that she shouldn't represent it as this deep, dark, dour, terrible thing, what her world is. She should be representing it to people like she's the heroine of an adventure story, like it's something fun and exciting. And I loved this because then it makes so much sense why she's so weird and quirky and she's running around with this plastic sword and the cute like you know little plastic gun and everything feels very you know I want to say like like an anime you know like over the top and really like really cute and fun and weird and quirky and then you realize at this point later on in the drama that this is an act this is a way to protect herself this is like she has to live this life that is so dangerous and so isolating and she has chosen to represent it like she's the heroine of a cool adventure fairy tale, you know, instead of she's a freaking last line resort between complete annihilation of a school and the death of all these children from these terrifying, horrible demon things that are coming up from under the ground. And I just thought that was such an interesting thing because it really kind of flipped my idea of her as a character. Um... I guess over, like it was quite unexpected to me. So I did really like that. Um, so I was actually talking about the stuff that I didn't love. <laughs> I'm just all over the place with this one, but it's such a weird drama. I don't even know how to talk about it in a coherent, normal way. <laughs> um, but I guess the stuff I didn't love, like I loved the idea of that, of discovering that. And then you discover that this ghost that's following her around is the grown up version of this young boy who basically 
changed her viewpoint on the world. So it's a very deep and meaningful connection. Um, And she finds out that he died at a really shitty random construction, you know, at a construction site accident. It's so shit Um, and is really, really sad. And then she has a dream about him dying and she's crying and then she loses her powers to see jellies anymore. And so this is when you kind of realize that it isn't that fun for her to do all this stuff. Like it's not this vocation. It's not a calling. It's just something she has to do because that's her responsibility. And it's a lot harder for her to shoulder that burden than you kind of realize because everything just seems so weird and fun up until that point. But I just like as much as I love the storyline, I loved what the drama was trying to say about her and I did get what they were trying to say, but I also felt like it was just represented in a really strange way to kind of introduce two new characters in the same episode and not really spend enough time for us to really understand who this young man was that was following her. So by the time you get to the point where she's screaming and crying because he's dead and it, you kind of have to dig to understand why she's so upset. And then when you, you can, you can totally get it. You can connect those threads and understand what's going on. But I feel like it could have been so much more emotional. Maybe if it had just been, presented slightly differently in a little bit more accessible kind of way I feel like I would have felt those feelings a lot more deeply than what I did with the way that it was shown but I don't know that was just me so that was kind of my my very long setup and also um one of the things that I didn't totally love um but now I will do the stuff that I did love Okay, so stuff that I loved. Um, I really loved the aesthetics, the atmosphere. I thought there was very cool music that was just like, I don't know, I really liked it. I just think like all the music seems so carefully picked to really fit into the mood of the show and the weirdness of it really just worked to build that tension even more. So I liked the editing, even though I feel like it was a little bit strange. I really liked it. I liked the way everything was presented. I think it looks so good. Um... And it's so, I don't know, the whole atmosphere is really good. It's just like, you know, sometimes, I don't know, is that like a a David Lynch kind of feel where even normal things just feel slightly wrong, like slightly off. So it constantly leaves you feeling like you're on the back foot, like you're unbalanced. Even when something normal is happening on screen, you're like, ooh, this just doesn't seem right. Um, And I liked that. I really liked how they you know, the people who created this through the writing and the music and the way it looks and the way it's shot and the way people acted, everything just feels slightly surreal. Um, like it's not real world, even though like it technically is meant to be set in the real world. I think that also comes across in like, you know, the time of the drama, like, you know, the stuff that particularly Namdu Hock's character wears. I'm like, what is that? What is this like pop and collar? Like, is this the 70s? Is this the 90s? Like he wears some just like everything feels like slightly like you can't quite date it. So it gives it that real kind of odd, surreal feeling. So I really enjoyed that. Um, just that off kilterness. Um, so what else have I got? Oh, atmosphere, I said that. So as I said before, I really, really like Namju Hock's character. I feel like, 
in such a big nuts kind of story with all these jellies and all these like, you know, all these kids, like the students are kind of zip in and out of it as a focus for an episode. And I actually really liked them. I really liked all the actors and actresses they picked. Um, I just thought they were all, yeah, they were very sweaty for a lot of it. <laughs> They're always like laughing hysterically and really sweaty, but everyone did really well. And I really liked all that stuff. But I feel because everyone in the drama is so, you know, the main character, um, Eunyoung, uh, she's so you know, constantly doing weird expressions and just being really odd. And then all the kids are like always under kind of, I don't know, mesmerized spells where they're sweaty or weird and all the teachers are just strange. And then you've got Nam Ju Hyuk, who is so understated and reserved. And I feel like there's almost an element of him just getting swallowed up by the whole thing because his character is so quiet compared to all these huge things that are crashing around and happening all around him. But at the same time, I really like, I quite enjoyed his sort of stillness in amongst all this other mad shit that was happening was kind of good. Um, so I also felt that in a lot of ways, you know, Eun herself, the school nurse, does get a nice level of characterization, but I feel like it does kind of come across in a strange way. And I don't know if you fully, fully connect to it in the way that I would have liked to. And so for me, I guess, because the students just flip in and out of it so much without you never feel like you dig deep into them. So in a way, even though I don't think you really dig deep into um, Inpyo, like Nam Ju Hok's character either, I do feel like he's kind of more of the emotional, like it's easier to connect with him, I think. Like it's easier to understand him and like him. Just this kind of quiet awkwardness he has is very appealing and nice. Um, so I really liked his character. Um, I would have liked more of it really I think um what else have I got I've just written here the off-kilter weirdness but I already talked about that um so next I just want to talk a little bit about the end but not too much so just before I finish up um chatting about this drama uh I just wanted to kind of touch on the end but not probably that much but for me I did like it, but I kind of felt like it fell a little bit flat. Um, there's, it's just such a huge build up to this point where Eunyoung and Inpyo are kind of risking their lives to go back down into the basement to this mad plug hole to destroy it is kind of my impression of what the fuck they were going to do down there. I don't really know. Um, and there's this huge build up as they slowly go down there. And Inpyo is like to Eunyoung, like, this time, like when everything goes to shit, it'd be really cool if you didn't like run away and leave me here because, you know, my leg is a bit fucked and it's really hard for me to climb the stairs. And that's really distressing for me. And she's like, no worries. I totally won't leave you alone in this shit dark basement with a thousand million jellies while the whole school falls down on you. Don't worry about it. I would never do that. And of course they go down there they don't really do anything. They just kind of lift the rock up and then put it back. And I was like, is that it? Like, is that all you're going to do? And then the school starts shaking and there's all this like really ominous music. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is going to happen? And then Eunyoung just like 
tears off, like runs off up the stairs and totally leaves Inpyo there by himself. And he's like very slowly dragging his fucked leg like up these stairs. Uh, And he's, you know, it would have been really great if he hadn't been alone in the dark and if someone, you know, might have stayed there and helped him a little bit. So I didn't like this. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with her? She just said she wouldn't do this and she left him there. And she just runs off like a crazy person, I guess, to go get her like plastic sword or something. And up until this point, she hasn't been able to see the jellies. Uh, But when she gets back up, she can see them again. So she's sort of running off to get like her thing and she's having this big moment where she realizes, oh my gosh, she can see the jellies again. And Inpyo, meanwhile, is slowly pulling himself up the stairs. He's exhausted he's crying he's really frightened and distressed and I was like this poor man like I fucking hate this so much I want someone to be with him like I couldn't believe she did this to him and he's like crying and I'm just like oh my gosh it's just too much for me I'm so sad and then they find each other and they're kind of like half hugging each other and he's like crying a bit and she's crying and this ominous music and the whole place is shaking and you're like oh my gosh it's gonna be a huge monster and then this like red heart-shaped jelly just like pops out of the plug hole and then nothing really happens and then they're outside in front of the school and the school's collapsed but they're not in the school they're outside the school you don't really know how that happened and they didn't have to do anything and everything's fine the end (laughs) I was like I don't get it I, I don't know if I got it and I really I feel like I loved the drama except for that ending like you know, as much as I kind of, you know, kind of waffled on and complained a little bit about that storyline with Eun and how I wish I had been done in a slightly easier to follow way because I did really like it. But the thing is, I really liked that storyline. I would have liked to have tweaked it, but I did really like it. And the only thing about the show that I was kind of like, it just, it wasn't that I didn't like it, but it just kind of felt a little flat. It felt like a little bit of a letdown after all this building up of ominousness. But then I kind of want to like, is this a season two thing? Like, is the the book that this is based on a lot longer than this? Um, and I, I don't have the answer to that because I didn't fucking Google it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. That's just how I felt about the ending. I felt like it wasn't as satisfying as I would have liked. Um, but I did, like, I'm really glad I watched this drama. And I think it's well worth, like, your time if you don't mind a bit of, like, fucking weirdness <laughs> if you're into that um I'm really glad I watched it I really really liked it and I think on the on the whole it was very worth it for me so should you watch it yeah I mean I think so I think it's crazy but you know you won't be bored that's for sure <laughs> um so I think that's all I'm gonna say on the school nurse files which is a 2020 Korean drama only six episodes starring Jung Yoo Mi and Nam Ju Hyuk So now it is time for my random thing of the week. And this one is very random, but I I think it's just such a weird little, I thought it was really interesting. So I've mentioned on the podcast in the past that, you know, I'm reading a lot of history books, but I have mentioned this one before. So it is a memoir 
Um, it was written in, so it was written, I think, in the early 1600s, but it's basically charting the Imjin War, which happened between 1592 to 1598. The book is called The Book of Corrections, Reflections on the National Crisis During the Japanese Invasion of Korea in the 1590s. So it's written by this guy called Yu Song-nyong, who lived through the experience. He was one of uh, the very high ministers next to the king during the war. Um, so this thing I'm going to, I just wanted to read out a little section and this is like, it's not a history thing. It's just this weird, funny aside. So this book is, you know, it's charting all the different things that happened to this man or happened in general during the war. And there's this one like scene where he just kind of tells you this little story and then he tells you this little joke that he made. So this is the author of the book talking about something that really happened. And I just think it's so mad that I can sit here in my house and read someone that that words that someone wrote 500 years ago where he's telling literally trying to tell you the story of this war that was terrible and horrific and that you know the Korean government was completely unprepared for and yet even though he's writing it quite a few years after it happened the author still remembers this little joke that he told and he puts it in the book and I was just like oh my gosh it's just such a it's such a human moment. Like it's obvious he's quite proud of this little joke that he made to actually write it into this book or the fact that he still remembers it so many years after it happened is just so interesting and quite funny to me. Um, so I did want to just read this little section, um, which includes this, this author's little joke. So as I read this, you are listening to the words that a man wrote down like 500 years ago and I think it's just kind of interesting because it just shows like we don't really change that much like everyone loves it if you tell a little joke and make other people laugh you feel quite chuffed and proud about it right <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to kind of start in the middle but basically there's this dude called Yi and uh, Yi has like been off doing some stuff during the Imjin War. He's not that great, to be honest. He keeps running away from battles and managing not to die, which is good for him. But usually he runs away and leaves like his troops behind. So he's just been doing a really bad shit. But by the time he catches up with the king, he so he's run all the way up from like Hansong or the capital of Seoul, all the way up the country, kind of trying to avoid the enemy and avoid having to get involved in any battles. And he turns up in Pyongyang, which is where the king has retreated to um, up in the north of Korea. Um, so this is the part that the author has written. Although Yi had been defeated and escaped from the enemy, everyone was happy to hear that he had arrived. That's because normally if you get defeated, you get like executed for incompetence. But by this point during the war, like everyone's like, oh, it's really good to see him. So this is back to the book. People still remembered his reputation as a distinguished general, general among his peers. His appearance, however, was terrible because he had had to hide and run away from the enemy, often passing through thorns and briars. He wore a Pyongyangja hat, a plain jacket made of white cloth and a pair of straw shoes. We were sorry to see his shabby appearance. I said to him, people here have great expectations about your coming. I'm afraid that they will be disheartened to see you in such a shape. So the author says that I searched my baggage and gave him a dark blue chomni, 
a formal uniform of a military officer. The other ministers joined me by contributing a hat made of horsehair, as well as silver decorations and colourful ribbons to go with them. So he, Yi, this guy who's turned up, um, he looked like quite a different man after changing his clothes, but he still lacked shoes. No one was willing to sacrifice his leather shoes for him, so Yi had no choice but to wear his old straw shoes. Looking down at his shoes, I said with a laugh, Silk clothes and straw shoes do not seem to be an ideal match. Everyone laughed to hear what I said. And then the book just goes back to like, you know, charting the war and all these things that were happening that were terrible and all the politics of the war. And I just think like, isn't that just the maddest little weird? I just think it's so funny. I mean, the author who's narrating this memoir, he writes this quite a few years after, like maybe 10 years or more after this actually happened. And I just love that he always remembers this little joke that he told and how everyone laughed. It's just like, it feels so human. 500 years ago, we might have been all very different, but we weren't that different. Weird. So uh, it's time for my something I'm loving. <laughs> Got so confused. I just pressed record and I'm like, what What am I even talking about anymore? I don't know. It's been a really long day. I'm really tired. <laughs> um, so I am up to my something I'm loving this week section. Um, so I just wanted to just really quickly talk about a documentary that I've been watching at home, which I, I don't know, I found it really interesting. I just think it's so fascinating the way there's these huge things that happen in history um, that you kind of feel like you know a lot about and then you kind of realize you know fuck all about it so i've been watching this documentary lately which is basically world war ii in color which is you know distressing and horrific um i i you know i know i thought i knew a lot about world war ii um but this particular documentary is about like the greatest events of world war ii and the stuff it covers is like i guess i didn't really know anything about these things in detail so uh so far it's kind of covered uh the nazi expansion into france and the occupation of paris um dunkirk also the battle of britain so i really didn't even know what the battle of britain was it's this absolutely insane you know battle for the air over britain so for the skies it's like spitfires against like um what is it the luftwaffe i don't know how to pronounce that um very fascinating and you know scary stuff um i also learned about uh, i knew a little bit about pearl harbor because you know that's a very very famous event but then i learned about the battle of midway which was this really intense battle for the Pacific that happened very soon after between Japanese and American troops and I didn't really understand the significance of it and it was very very interesting um, so I just think it's kind of fascinating to learn more about or in further detail about something you you kind of think you know a lot about and I'm, I'm really realizing I actually don't I don't know practically anything so yeah that's been cool I think it's a really good documentary it's very very interesting um so I think it's called like World War II in color the greatest events or something like that um but yeah it's cool I like it so 
So now I've come to the part of the show where I say a huge, massive thank you to all of those people who have chosen to support me on Patreon. Thank you all so very much. Um, And also a massive, massive thank you and welcome to new patron, Derek. Um, Derek actually sent me an email um, and I just felt very, I'm always constantly fascinated by stories of people connecting with drama and I guess the different things that K-drama can provide in people's lives. And I think, I mean, I don't know about the rest of you, but for me, and I kind of imagine for a lot of people, you know, 2020, (laughs) I mean, all the time, there's always stresses and dark things in people's lives, but I do think it's been a really, really hard year in 2020. And I think a lot of people have been looking for something positive, you know, to to kind of provide light and hope in their lives. And I don't know about other people, but for me, so often that does come down to the stories and K-dramas I watch. K-dramas make me feel positive. They make me feel so happy. It's like a form of escapism, but not in a way where I feel like I'm running away from my stresses and problems, but more that I am taking this extreme comfort in these stories that make me feel hope about my life and the world, even when things can be a little bit tough. Um, And it was really incredible to hear from Derek and and hear him sort of reflecting on those same ideas, I guess, and feeling that same way. Um, For him, Derek said to me that the show, you know, the first K-drama he watched and the show that really, really connected with him was My Mister. Um, And I can totally see why. Like, My Mister, of course, is such a you know, slow burn. It's such a dark emotional story. And yet, of course, at the core of it is this incredible idea about people finding hope in their lives and finding a reason to live through super dark times. And I I find it to be such an utterly inspiring and hopeful story. And that's another thing I love about K-dramas. You know, they can be light and fluffy or they can be dark as hell and deep and emotional. But I think there is this level of hope to be found in the stories that I love. I think... I don't know, I guess I'm waffling, but I felt quite moved by Derek's story and I also felt like it's that universal thing that I think so many of us who are, you know, mad fans of K-drama really do feel that same way, maybe about different dramas or different elements of dramas to each other. Like, I know we're not all the same, but I do feel that there's a bit of that through thread for all of us when it comes to K-drama. So, Derek, thank you so much for your support on Patreon. Um, and also thank you so much for your email and discussions. And I'm really, really glad to hear that you found my mister and connected with it. <laughs> Welcome to K-Drama Land. <laughs> um, so I guess before I move on, I just want to say also that um, sometimes I'm a little bit slow with replying. Um, I know, oops, but I'm so thankful for everyone reaching out and messaging me or emailing me over the last couple of weeks. I really, really appreciate it. I'm sorry when my replies take a little bit longer to come back, um, but I do really appreciate hearing that people like the podcast and are interested in what I do. And I find it really, really encouraging to just keep working hard at this and continue. And I think, you know, with my upcoming break and the way that seasons will be kind of constructed um, in the new year, I feel like 
I feel much more confident and happy that this show is something sustainable that I can keep up and keep doing for, I really hope, a very long, <laughs> a very long time because I really love kind of unpacking my thoughts and feelings around K-drama and my emotions and how they make me feel, which is generally <laughs> really good. 